Hello, and welcome to Illumination Bureau, where we hope to enlighten you on all the hidden stuff you didn't know about careers in creative. This is Kristen Harris and Katherine Klein, and we will be your hosts. We are the co-creators of Portfolio Creative, a company that connects creative people in the marketing and advertising space. We've been doing this since 2005, and we have learned a lot of things that we want to share with you. We have so much to tell you, so let's get started. Hi, this is Kristen, and Katherine is not with us today because we have a special guest. We have Verbona Nichols with Inspired Creative Studio. Hello. Hello, Kristen. Thank you for having me. Oh, thanks for coming. So why don't you introduce yourself and give us just a little bit of um, background on what you do? Well, we at Inspired Creative Studio, we help solopreneurs, small business owners grow their digital footprint on the internet by creating websites for them and helping them with their digital marketing. Awesome. And you've been doing this for a while. You have a lot of experience. I have. (laughs) Um, I think I'm up to a little bit over 10 years now. That's awesome. So what I've asked you to come and chat with us about today is the really sort of some of the similarities and maybe differences between UX and UI. And in our world, we feel like that always gets kind of lumped in together. Like clients are always saying, I just want a UX UI person. And I don't know those are always the same thing or even the same person. So we're going to kind of break those apart and talk about both and how they connect and interact with each other. Okay. So first question, are UX and UI the same thing? No, they aren't, but they are very well integrated together. In fact, most people would think would say that UI is a part of UX. User experience is the bigger process of which user interface design is a part of. Ah, that makes sense. So it's a piece of it, but not the whole. Right. I yeah. think that it would be hard to uncouple them. Uh, I think that they both are so tightly integrated. You cannot have a good user experience without having a good user interface, nor can you have a good user interface without having a great user experience. Yes, that makes sense. So let's talk about like maybe a little definition of what each one is. So I have my opinions, but you go first. <laughs> well, I was on YouTube. I do spend a lot of time on YouTube lately. (laughs) But I found these, I think they're very succinct, and uh, they do explain exactly what the differences are. So Gary Simon of the design course on YouTube asked his subscribers to summarize the difference between UX and UI. And three of them I'll mention... uh, Shino Mitsu, perhaps that's how he pronounces it, or she, says, UI is how good the car looks. UX is how good you feel driving it. <laughs> Error53-ish says, UI is functional. UX is psychological. And finally, Baby Bottle, this is one of my favorite ones, uh, not that I've ever used it, but UI is her Tinder profile while UX is the date. (laughs) That's awesome. So you can see UX is the experience, the user experience with your product or service. And UI is basically, they call it the deliverable. UI is 
pretty much physical. It's the physical interface between the user and your product. Yeah, and so I think a lot of times these terms come up, I mean, most of the time they come up related to websites or apps or something like that, but to me, user experience is like even beyond the website. It's the whole experience someone has with your product or your service, your business, like whether they're physically walking in your door or they're going to your website. It's the like the journey you're taking them through. Do you think that's mm -hmm. fair? I do, I do. It, it's not just, we hear use UX, UI uh, over the past few years lately uh, concerning digital, but there's always been a user experience and a user interface ever since people have been designing things. For instance, um, I'm not going to take credit for this, but I did see a video again on YouTube where a gal made the analogy of the first car used a lever that went from left to right to steer the car. And I did not know that. Everyone thinks about the um, steering wheel. So the experience was very bad. It was rough. The driver and the passengers were, you know, tossed back and forth with this <laughs> lever moving from right to left. Well, there had to have been a user experience designer somewhere that observed this less than ideal experience and said, let's see how we can improve upon that. And he or she probably went back to their office or workroom and created some sketches and then probably took it to the manufacturer at that time who would have been the user interface designer. They probably created a mock-up, uh, a, a working prototype, and perhaps the steering wheel wasn't, you know, the only mock-up or the only idea they had, and they probably tried different things out. They probably said, hey, this steering wheel thing seems like it really does improve the experience. So it's always been there. I, I think that we've always had user experience built into design. I know that um, in maybe the 80s or 90s, user-centric mm. design came to the forefront, but I think we've always, it's always been there, in my opinion. Yeah. But people I mean, would. Is that a little bit of a buzzword? Because, like, who's not designing for the user? I mean, I guess right. you could be designing for yourself, but it's probably not very successful. I think there was probably times, and I don't want to get into, like, you know, the, the developer's end, like um, the waterfall. Mm. We don't mm -hmm. want to go there because <laughs> I don't, I don't understand. I don't know. We will not well, go we're not that going far into the weeds. Those. Yeah, we're not <laughs> going over there. But, and then there's agile, the, the mm -hmm. iterative that is constantly improving. But in some, you know, shape or form, I think that any successful product has always been user centric. Right. To be successful, it probably needs to at least consider the user. So um, we were talking a little bit about like some of your, the work you do. So you work with small businesses and ultimately, I'm guessing you're probably building them a website or something, but I'm thinking that you have to get pretty deep into the experience part before you can even start thinking about a website because you have to know what, what like path a client might take to find them and work with them and use their service or buy their product or whatever. Like there's a whole sort of, I guess, journey that you have to almost map out before you know what a website should look like. Right. And that's what um, we start with 
a design brief, of course, but we also create a user persona. And for us, we're working with really small solopreneurs that may just be starting out. And we all, we do have a lot of them say, well, who is your, when we ask them, who's your ideal client? Well, everybody's my ideal client. All (laughs) All women, women. (laughs) all women are my ideal client. And we have to, you know, say no, you can't talk to a 65 year old woman the same way you talk to a 22 year old woman. So when you are doing your marketing, who do you feel is the best fit for your product? You can't be that general. So we kind of have to really do a little education with them because they do, they're eager to get out there and sell to everybody. And it's like, you're, is it the shotgun versus the rifle mm-hmm. effect? You're not going to get anywhere. You have to really niche down. And they get a little frightened when they, you start talking about niching down and niching down. But you might use, oh, but I'm leaving all this money on the table. You really aren't, because if you find an ideal client, there's a lot of those ideal clients out there when you really start to create your product to fulfill the needs of that particular person or demographic. Yeah, so um, that makes me think about, like, you know, in the beginning I said I feel like people always want to lump UI, UX together, and it seems to me that a lot of your clients and maybe other people too, like they want to just jump into like, I just want you to make me a website. Like you said UI is a piece of UX, but there's more to it than that. Do people often want to kind of fast forward to like just making the thing? Well, what we found over the years is uh, years ago, you could make a pretty website and people were satisfied and it was a postcard. Basically it was a glorified brochure. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it was the exact duplicate of a brochure and it just sat there and it didn't do anything. It definitely did not generate money for them. So now you need a website that it's going to work for you. You need to have a goal for each visitor that's coming to your website. You may be selling a product, you may have e-commerce on your website, or you may just need lead generation. You need what's termed a a freebie, give something away, a lead magnet. But you need to know what, you need to determine what that person is supposed to be doing when they get to the website, not just lead them to the website and let them have at it. Because there should be, like you said, a journey, and you should map that out, If you are going to, um, you can have more than one ideal client. If you are going to target a 22-year-old, map that journey out, how you want to speak to them and how you want them to journey through your website. What is the point of them getting there? You want to get their email address. Do you want them to purchase a product on the first um, visit, which is generally a little bit um, impossible? but depending on what your product or service is. But you have to have that journey of how they're going to go through the website. And so that's all uh, making the personas, making um, user flows, the customer journey. It's all wrapped up into that. And for us being small, 
we're wearing all those hats. Now, if you're at a corporate large organization, you may have a team of user uh, experience designers and then a separate team of user interface designers. But for the smaller organizations, we're usually wearing both hats. Yeah, I was curious about that. Like, how often are those two separate, like, positions or roles within a company or a team? Or is it often the same person doing both of those things? They have to kind of do one and then the other. But I think it's the larger, the very large companies that are separating and having the teams. But if you look on uh, LinkedIn or any of the job boards, like your job board, you have a UX, I believe yours says, does yours says UX, UI. Oh, I'm sure it does. Yeah. <laughs> so I think the companies, when they're trying to fill the positions, they are using the buzzword UX, UI. Mm-hmm. And whether when you get into the position, whether you're doing a little bit of both, that's, you mm-hmm. know, we just don't know. But I think that what you see right now, you're going to see more UX slash UI designer with you need to know these skills, you need to, the, the, some, the, the tools, Sketch, Adobe, XD, you should help mm-hmm. me out here. What <laughs> else do we have out there? There's all, a lot. I, oh, the I, I just heard about Figma, the, you know, these, yeah, I that didn't know about that me. one. I'm going to look it up. I, I heard that thrown around. But, um, so, so often people are both, but maybe they are heavier on one side or the other, or, or do they have to like be equally as skilled at both? Let me see. I would say it's good to know and understand both of them. Uh, I think that a user interface designer probably has some specific skills one thing that they need to be aware of if you are going into um, user interface and that's what you like to do, what some of your strengths are probably going to be is that you, you know, like, uh, you, you can, you love to design, you love good design, you love topography, you love color schemes, you know, putting together color schemes. Uh, you have to, nowadays, you really have to work toward within standards. Mm -hmm. I think 10 years ago, we had websites and applications that were, you could be very creative. Today, especially with apps and even with websites, the user expects things to be in a certain place. And the user expects the website or the app to perform a certain way. And when it is different that's a bad user experience. It throws them off. So there are certain standards and expectations that it just needs to do this because this is just how things work. Right, and we've, we've definitely seen that with apps. Uh, I like to look at the, um, the uh, hamburger menu. Yeah. Now, if you're creating an app, your user is going to expect to see those three horizontal lines, and generally it's going to be up in the upper right. If you want to be creative and you decide, I want to use four vertical lines in the lower left corner, that's not going to be a very good user experience because your user is not used to that. And Mm -hmm. they're going to be looking for those three horizontal lines that you have just decided you didn't want to use. So those are some constraints for the user interface designer and 
I think you can still be creative, but you've got to work within those industry standards. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it, I mean, to me, it sort of ties back, it reminds me of like print design, like you can design things that can never be produced, like physically can't be printed. And so, you know, it's kind of the same thing, like you have to know limitations of paper and presses and ink and whatever, because you can come up with all kinds of stuff, but if it can't be produced, if someone can't functionally use it, it's not going to be a good design. <laughs> right. And that happens with websites. I worked with a, a user experience uh, designer uh, not too long ago, and she had all her, she came to the project with everything designed, which was fine. And there was just something that she had all these cards and they were going to be kind of heavy. It was integrated with a Teachable, I think, um, platform. So we were on WordPress, but we had to pull in from Teachable. And it what it did is it just created a hugely heavy, slow page. And it was we just had to talk through this. It looks lovely. But it doesn't function mm-hmm. the way people it are going to bail. If they're going to too long to load. Yeah. They're out of there. Yeah, and as and as you cr- create more courses, the page is going to get heavier and heavier and heavier, and basically it's going to crash. So it was, you know, it was fun to work that way to see her. It did look like it was user friendly until we put it, implemented it, and it just said it wasn't functional. So yeah. we just had to make some. Um, allowances but yeah. we did get the look and feel yeah so you so could we were still proud of that. get there but maybe in a different way yeah you had, we had to we had to take a different route to get there and but we preserved the look and feel that she wanted so do you feel like there are people who are becoming sort of experts in user experience or just experience because I don't know if it's always the website but like are there people who are like consultants in that area that sort of think about more that bigger picture part they're not necessarily going to design the site or is that has it not evolved there yet oh I think user experience I think that is an exciting um, realm to go into because it you have to be good at psychology the first thing that they say a user experience designer should have is empathy and that goes back to, uh, we discussed this a uh, couple of minutes ago about design thinking. Doesn't this go back to design thinking? Is that the big umbrella? Because that's the first thing design thinking says is have the empathy. If for, you your, can't, for your user yeah, or your customer? Okay. If you can't empathize with the user, then you're not going to be a good user experience designer. You have to almost get into that their skin and have to really understand what their problem is that they need to that they need your product to solve because at the end of the day your product ha- product or service is only there to solve the user's problem and if it's it can't solve all problems it should only solve one problem that's why the user experience designer has to understand everything that the user is going through. Yeah. Like, you're not just designing what you like. It doesn't matter. You need to solve the problem of the, the customer, the ideal client. And we, you, um, I'm glad you mentioned that because we have a lot, like I say, solopreneurs. I've run up against people that have built out a product 
that they thought was great, but they have never had a user test it out. And so we had one lady, she said, well, I've got a garage full of videos, but I want to take this same course online. But she never tested. She yeah. just never tested. She didn't understand that just put something out there and test. Just ask your customers, ask your, your users, your potential users, what they want. You'd be surprised. They probably want something completely different than yes. what you think. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so, I think that is often true. Right. <laughs> just talk to them. Just talk to them. <laughs> or find ways to talk to Before them. Before you spend a lot of money, talk to them and then go back and see if you can solve their problem. And create that experience that mm -hmm. they've asked for. So mm -hmm. do you find when, like, say you're putting together a, a map with one of your clients. So you said you, a lot of times they want to jump right to making a website, but you have to kind of back them up. Say, okay, we need to talk about your personas. Who are you selling to? That kind of thing. Mm -hmm. When you create that, um, I don't know if it's a physically a sheet of paper that you have all this on or whatever. When you create this sort of persona and map, do you end up then using that kind of as a checkpoint or a filter as you're designing? Like we said, this is the experience. Now we're going to make a button that does X, Y, Z. Oh, wait, does that, let's check and make sure, like, does that tie back to the experience we said we're taking them on? Right. Yes. You have to, you have to keep that, you know, front and center because you can go along and. You could get can way off the path. The wrong, yeah. You can solve the wrong problem. Right. And that doesn't, you know, that doesn't help help anybody. So, yeah, if we have these things, we've got the persona and we've built that out for them. We've built a journey map and we keep that in mind as we're building each page and how we feel that the, the prospect is going to be going through and what the ultimate goal is. So, yeah, that can... I know that sometimes with designers, they may think that they're solving the problem, but you have to remind them that, well, this is what this web particular website is for. It's not for everything. It's not the be-all and the do-all. Yeah, so bringing them back to that, to kind of what you mapped out. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because you keep saying, like, persona, and to me, I also think, you know, that's a big term people use on the marketing side, and we're talking a lot about websites, but it seems that this stuff is all very tied in. Like, you need the same experience across all of your marketing. You can't have... Some, I mean, how it's executed might be different, but you can't have your 22-year-old customer having one experience walking in the store and a different experience at the website and a different experience on your social media platform. Like, they all have to get on the same page right. with experience. Right, and that's... I think in, uh, when you're working in larger teams, everybody has to talk to each other. So the marketing does need some input. Uh, you know, the brainstorming needs to, everybody has to be there. And that's why I think user-centric design, however we want to call it, everybody has to keep the user front and center. Yeah, and, and someone, especially a bigger team, I'm thinking someone has to kind of be the overseer of all that to make mm -hmm. sure all the parts are still connecting back. In the, like you're delivering the same experience at the end of the day, no matter what you know, platform you're using. Right, right. And that's one thing, I guess, um, you know, you could do, 
design the website, you have to talk over here to marketing, who's also going to be designing the brochures or the the ads. They have to have some similarity because, like you say, right now the customer starts, say, on their phone and they're looking. They may get home and they're watching TV. Maybe they're using their tablet. Well, if that's a totally different experience when they get on the tablet or the laptop or the desktop, they need to feel like this is the same journey mm-hmm. and these people almost like I stopped me. here like that. Um, it's one of the TV st- services or something like I'm watching it on my phone and then I walk in my house and now it's on my TV and then yeah. I'm over here and it's on my computer and I've just continued to watch the same movie. And it's a little creepy like it has sometimes. To flow through, yeah. Right. It's like yeah. I'm watching the same movie all the way right. through. Yeah. Like Hulu and, and Netflix. It just, it, it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. It just starts and, continues on on the next device I, I i even spotify that that just i i'll use i'll i'll put two devices in front of me and go that is amazing it doesn't miss a beat really? but that's the experience that you want your user to have so that they feel that oh this person understands me i'm not you know starting from the beginning yeah i'm watching the same movie mm-hmm. and i'm picking up at the same point where i right. was before right that's really interesting to think about um so I think you've touched on some things maybe that clients need to keep in mind. You know, companies that are using UX, UI, people, and have those kind of needs, whether it's for a website or anything that they're applying it to. I guess, to me, the biggest thing I'm hearing is, like, embrace the experience side. Like, you have mm-hmm. to get you have to clarify that first before you start running off and designing stuff, <laughs> creating right. things. Right, right. And so I think that's a big part of it. Is there anything else that you feel like um, more like companies and businesses need to think about related to these two? Or maybe even understanding how to choose someone to do this kind of work? Well, I think that nowadays, I know traditionally designers have kind of been hermits and felt like they could work. Really? I, well, I, you know, I think so. I mean, I know I've been guilty we, of we love closing, our yeah, closing the door. You know, you dim the lights a little bit. You got a little music going on. but And that worked for a while. But nowadays, I think you really have to be, you've got to get those soft skills in. You've got to be a people-oriented person you at least if you're not if you feel like you're an introvert you still need to you know get out of that comfort zone and learn how to communicate with people you learn how to communicate your ideas with your team members and learn how to talk to your users if if you are the person that uh, needs to you know go interview a user you have to be confident enough to sit down and really dig into what their needs are. I think there's something called the five whys. Mm -hmm. And I think that works with user experience. You just have to keep asking, well, why do you need this? Yes, you just keep asking why. Like they give an answer. It's like, well, why that? Yes, why? And why that? And you try to just get a little deeper past the surface answer. And you just, I, I think the soft skills... You need to be a, would it be called an inter-team player? I don't even know if that's a word, but I, I like I it. Think if it's not, we're, we're using it. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> uh, because you just can't 
silo yourself. We know that. You can't silo yourself over here, and I'm just going to do this. Even if you are the user experience player by name, you still have to understand what the user interface person needs. And you may come to them and say, we want this experience for this app. And you may have nailed the the user experience because we've got, you know, we've got our data, we've and one thing the user experience person has to be a little bit analytical, which does seem a little counterintuitive when you have designer <laughs> at the end of something. That was a little bit eye-opening to me. I'm like, okay, yeah, you do have to deal with the data, but you've also got to go back to the user interface person and and present your ideas and be willing to for them to say that may not be possible <laughs> because no. you know and there's there, that's going to come up so you have to have those skills to just be able to articulate your ideas and be able to um, communicate with people I think communication today is the big thing on teams. Yeah, the, one of the most important. I totally agree. And the, another thing I heard you say earlier is empathy, being able to understand. I do understand love the empathy. I people. do love the empathy. Yeah, and it sounds like a little bit like both of these roles, maybe, but especially the UX side, it's a bit of being a counselor too. To well, them, psychology. not not yeah, not counselor like helping them with their therapeutic personal problems, but counselor like help them figure out what they need and then counsel them in how you can achieve it. You know, mm -hmm. you're, you're an advisor. Right. You're saying, right. here's what you're trying to deliver to your customers. Now let me help you, you know, show you how we can get there. But you mm -hmm. have to be willing to do that. And not, I guess uh, counsel and give advice because you're the expert, not just say, well, I'll make it pink because you said you like pink. Right. If, I if think you, you have can... found pink is probably not the right color for whatever reason, you have to be able to, to you know, have that conversation with the client. Mm -hmm. Have, you know, be able to direct them. Sometimes you have to direct somebody, you know, this is the way that we may be able to solve your problem. Because it all, at the end of the day, it's all going to go back to that problem that the client is trying to solve. Yes. And that's where you have to use the psychology because I think sometimes the customer or the client, they don't know what the problem is. Yes. They just know what the result is they want. And a lot of times mm -hmm. they think they know what the solution is. Like they come and say, hi, I need this. And then mm -hmm. you start talking to them. You're like, that's actually not what you need, but I, I can see what you need mm -hmm. and, and let me help you get that, but it's not what you originally asked for. Right, and that's where you get the empathy, and, and I think mm -hmm. a psychology course, I'm sure, you know, you still need to, everybody takes a psychology course or two in college, so yes. don't just, you know, snooze through those, because you're <laughs> going to, you'll use them, and you'll... Because people are fascinating. They are, and sometimes <laughs> you'll find a client or customer that's a little bit difficult that you may want to use a little psychology on and, you know, like you say, give them direction, you know, nice direction, nice nudging into the right direction to get their problem solved. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And so um, one last thing I think I want to ask you and uh, about this topic is if someone is interested in doing this kind of work, is interested in doing UX, UI design, 
Um, what kind of background do they usually have? And then how, part A, and then part B, how could they get some of these skills? Well, that's a good question because I had to actually look up some things. And I know that I took a course over at Ohio State that it was entitled UXUI. And it was good. It was very good. But I'm not sure. That was a few years ago. So I'm not sure if they have full tracks at the universities yet. They may. I've heard people say uh Boot camps. Boot camps are really popular right now, and I know there's probably people in your audience that would say, oh, that's a lot of money, <laughs> and it is, but I guess you weigh that with the cost of a four-year degree, Yeah, and depending on you know what your career path is, a, a boot camp may be your, your solution. Uh, there is enough information on the internet that you could take a Coursera or a Udemy. I think there, if you really are determined and motivated, you can get the knowledge. The knowledge is out there. There is a process for both. Is user. it more more about um, doing, like you said, like Coursera or something, like more about doing it than what class you Took? I think what once you get the basis, once you get down the process, you understand what you're supposed to be doing, I think that you could go out and easily find some place where you could get a case study. Uh, mm. Columbus here is big on startups. We're like number one, I think. In the Midwest? or uh, I don't know if that's Midwest. I know that we were number six, I think, in the country for fastest growing startup locations. Nice. So yay us. Yeah. So there's a lot of um opportunity to get, you know, involved in a startup. There's Rev One Ventures. We'll give them a little plug mm -hmm. over there. That's by the university. Uh they have dozens upon dozens of little startups in there. It's it's a pretty unique little it's not a unique little place because there's a lot of them around yeah yeah <laughs> they're the accelerators place. yeah mm -hmm. and you just walk in you know again soft skills communicate that you'd like to expand your portfolio and do a case study and that's how you can build your your portfolio yeah uh, so maybe a startup or a nonprofit or nonprofits, somebody like that yes even love like you i would say like a family business like it doesn't matter so much who it's for as getting the experience. It's getting the and, experience. And it might be unpaid. Like you might just volunteer to do it because right. you're just trying to get the skills. Right. To get started, mm -hmm. you're probably going to have to, you know, do some freebies, some pro bono work. But it's all about whatever you do, you're going to be able to put on your portfolio and have them as a reference. So I'm not sure that there's a degree out there right now that yeah. says UX UI designer and it may be some called something else next year. We yeah, may be exactly. It keeps evolving. Mm -hmm. And so do you feel like on the UI side I would assume people tend to come out of like a design or creative kind of a background of some sort, you know, whether it's an art school or a design program at a university or they've just done a lot of that kind of design work. On the UI side, does it tend to also be from a creative background or is it a little bit more like you talked about like research and psychology. Like, is it sometimes more that side? I think in the UI, I think it's more, do you want to say tactile? I want okay. I think the yeah. UX is more psychology. Okay. And they're researching. But the UI is, 
I always think of um, Google's, it, what's it called, Material. Oh, oh. They have, they made a standard a few years ago about how their their apps would look. And oh, I don't, yes, I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the kind of knowledge that you you need. You have to be able to rationalize. You have to be a good designer, number one, but you have to be able to rationalize why that button should be there. Yes. So knowing some of the standards and just the basic best practices, you can't just be like willy nilly making it up because some of these things really are kind of established already. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And you have to have a really good user experience reason to break it. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And if you want to break it and if you want to be really, you know, creative, you have to have some rationale behind why this is going to give the user the better experience. So it all... Talk about 360, it all goes, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's just a circle. It all comes back together. So, well, that's this has been super interesting, um, and I, I love, like, how much they are connected. You know, we, we they are two separate things, but like I said, we see them a lot together in a job title. It's just UX UI designer or UX UI person or whatever they call it, um, and they are very interrelated, but they're definitely not the same thing. Not the same thing, and I don't think you have the same, you know, you have to have a little bit different personality for each. Yeah, but different mindset. Can, if you're different mindset. Even if you're working on both, you have to think differently on sort of on one side right, versus right. the other. Right, right. You have to use kind of both sides. Yeah, you definitely have to use both sides of your brain, yeah. which I think designers tend to rely on the right side, and it's hard to get that left side out, but... Once again, if you have empathy and you understand the human, what do we call it, the human dilemma or the human <laughs> spirit, then you're the person that can definitely help the, the user get the experience that they're looking for. Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you so much. This has been a really fun conversation. Well, thank you, Kristen. This has been fun, too. I enjoyed it. Thank you so much for joining us at Illumination Bureau. We hope that you have gained something by listening today. Illumination Bureau was brought to you by Portfolio Creative. You can find out more about Portfolio Creative at PortfolioCreative.com. If you have a topic that you want to hear about, don't hesitate to send us an email at questions at PortfolioCreative.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate and review it, or share it with a friend.